You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I am Steph and I have a special guest here with me today and I am going to go ahead and let her introduce herself before we jump into all of the topics. Uh, hello, my name is Rachel Henderson. I am the author of So Witchy, uh, Magical uh, Tips, Tricks, and Projects for Sewing Magic, and also The Scent of Lemon and Rosemary, uh, Working Domestic Magic with Hestia. Both of those are from Llewellyn, and I'm a witch and a witchcrafter and a writer. Excellent. And I am so excited to chat with you about your books um I mean both of them because both of them are like sound super interesting for me so <laughs> I feel like we'll we'll tackle one at a time but let's start with the sewing magic because that is something that I have absolutely no experience or knowledge <laughs> in or, or anything and um I I want to hear all about it how did that even come about as an idea for your first book and what what can be found in there? Oh, um, yeah. Well, uh, I've been a sewist for years. Um, I got divorced in 2008, and my daughter at the time was four, and I needed something to uh, support us until she was starting school full-time. So at the time, I started sewing, uh, making costuming for our friends and uh accessories and corsets and the like and while I was sewing because I am witchy and because I'm a pagan I would integrate uh, my magical practice in it so like if I'm sewing stuff for a event uh, sewing bags or something to sell I would use green headed um, pins to put all of my to pin my fabric together to pull in like that money and prosperity energy into uh, what I was working on. And I would have like, I would choose fabrics uh, for certain color, certain color fabrics if it didn't really matter uh, what it was. I'd be like, okay, well, these are, you know, this is for a friend who is playing this kind of character uh, who oozes lots of self-confidence. So I'm gonna, you know, include a lot of yellows and oranges in there. Um, and around 2015, 2016 is when I realized I'd been writing all of these down. And I was like, I wonder if I should, you know, make this into a book. Um, and my first thought was I was going to self-publish it because sewing magic is kind of a really niche uh, area. Um, it's, you know, you can, you can say kitchen witchery and people understand what kitchen witchery is. You can say... Uh, you know, like cottage witchery and, and people have an idea of that, but sewing witchery, a lot of people are like, what? Um, oh yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, although once you start explaining it to people are like, oh no, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's really cool and useful actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so originally I was going to self-publish it because I thought I, you know, there really wasn't going to be uh, a big audience for it, but someone convinced me to um, at least try uh, some publishers, see if anybody uh, out there was interested. And my very first uh, pitch to Llewellyn, they were like, yes, we would like to publish this. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> That's so exciting. It, it was very exciting. So 
that's um and and so then it was the long process of putting it together into an actual book and not just my scribbled notes and my own little uh kind of book of shadows that was my sewing magic oh <laughs> that is that is really funny yeah, oh my gosh I bet that was such a process <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but what you can find in it is because my whole view of my magic and uh, my life is that the two are um, inseparable. Um, I like to involve magic in whatever I'm doing. And I find that sewing and, and the larger uh, area of making, you know, whether it's crocheting or woodworking or, you know, cross stitching or, you know, resin casting, any of that, that is those are all acts of creation, which are, you know, is basically what magic is too. So uh, it, for me, it makes sense that you would invoke, you would have both of those, uh, you would bring magic into that, uh, not only to make items to use in your magic, but also to then have them act as, uh, you know, kind of spells made physical. Yeah, absolutely. So you sort of were an expert in sewing and you did witchcraft and then you sort of brought them together. Yes. That's very interesting. I, I love that. Is that something? So if I have no skills <laughs> in sewing whatsoever, is your book something that I could still pick up and find some use in if I'm like a total beginner? Yes. Yes, you absolutely can. Um, it is like the first part of the book is, um, you know, has information on sewing and, and goes from, okay, even if you've never sewn before, it, it walks you through, this is, uh, these are the steps, this is, here's how you choose a uh, sewing machine, here's what the stitches are, this is, here's all the techniques, and it breaks them down, it has step-by-step uh, -step drawings and photographs about, so that it can lead you through it, um, and in fact, some of the projects in the book don't actually involve sewing, um, but they're sewing adjacent. So things like making fabric twine, um, making the fabric beads, they're things that you can do uh, with your hands that don't involve ever actually touching needle and thread. Um, but I am a big proponent. I believe that anybody can, anybody can sew. I really do believe that. But also I believe that uh, everybody has some sort of craft, crafting in them. Um, again, it doesn't have to be sewing. It can be any kind of crafting. And so the So Witchy does have like, um, I, I say that the first part of the book is kind of like uh, the theory part of sewing magic and not just bringing magic into your sewing, but bring magic into your crafting. And then the last half of the book is the practicum with the projects and the templates and, uh, and the instructions. So even if you aren't into sewing or you're a newbie to, to sewing um, and you just want to learn, it's it's going to have stuff in there for you to help um, so you don't feel like, oh, this is all expert stuff and I'm just a beginner and I why would I even give this a try? <laughs> I think everybody should try crafting at least, you know, at least four or five or six times before they uh decide that it's not for them <laughs> uh, I, I love that because yeah I'm not it's not in my current 
skill house <laughs> doesn't mean that it that it never will be. But I find the whole topic fascinating that it's not just, you know, the thread colors like you mentioned, but you know, there's there's not magic in there, there's design magic in there, you're working with the fabrics and everything. So there's a lot of magical elements that would be incorporated into sewing magic. So I find the whole thing fascinating. And uh, we're I'm gonna give it a try. <laughs> okay. Awesome. No, I think everybody should should at least give it a try once because again, I think um like I can't crochet or knit. I think that I honestly uh I have a lot of friends who crochet in it and I'm just like that is magic and that is tough and I couldn't do that. And even with sewing, there are certain things like I don't do quilting. Uh for some reason my brain just doesn't really understand all of the uh you know, piecing stuff together and the precision of it. Um, <laughs> so I think that there is there is going to be something in that book for for people, and even if they're beginners, even if they're not that interested, um, yeah, you can look at like the fabric choices. You can look at the color uh, the the color correspondences there's even a section on there about the different correspondences for the different kinds of sewing tools which um can oh, be extrapolated on yeah you can really you can oh, wow. your own um your own crafting tools it'd be like huh okay this uh if you do clay what would my uh clay tools would they probably be earth and i can use them to bring earth energy and grounding energy into what i'm doing um, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I guess I've just never really thought through it <laughs> as much as I should have. <laughs> but it is, I, I always say that I'm not that crafty. I'm not very good at it. It's just not something that's, you know, in my wheelhouse. But I think I actually do more than I think that I do because everything really has a sort of crafty element to it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, modern society. <laughs> Well, it's true. And modern society tends to downplay craftiness, downplay uh, and even kind of delegitimize the um, kind of the making element of uh, of crafting. It's, you know, if you aren't doing it, if you're doing it as a hobby, then it's a waste of time or it's kind of cute. Um, if you're doing it for if you're doing it, you should be doing it as side hustle. It tries to monetize it. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of makers and crafters are women, and that tends to lead to society just kind of thinking of crafting as you know not serious work. Um, and I feel like that we tend to sometimes internalize that and think about our own crafting as well. We don't really do a lot of crafting except for if you stop for a minute and think about it in the broader terms of making. And again, as witches, if we are casting spells and we're uh, doing our, you know, our kitchen witchery and doing our cottage witchery and uh, doing our divination and stuff, that is a form of crafting as well. Um, I really do view the two as um, just two sides of the same coin, one being physical and one being on the spiritual, ethereal, uh, astral kind of plane. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And I suffer from that myself, obviously, <laughs> whereas I'm like thinking like, oh, it's not, 
you know, a productive use of my time. Cause like you said, like yeah. it's not a side hustle. I'm not making money off of it. Um, and that is what society values. So I think I've definitely internalized some of that myself that like, well, I'm never going to be great at it. It's never going to be this perfect thing that I could like sell or people would want, but that's not really the point of it. Exactly. That is exactly true. It's, and that's the other reason why I like kind of this referencing it in term of magic, because, um, there is we tend to have this like Instagram and um, TikTok and a lot of YouTube you'll see a lot of this very uh, aesthetically pleasing witchcraft um, where you're like oh you know you've got all the crystals and you've got the cauldron and you've got all the herbs and all this really cool very beautiful uh, a culty accoutrement to the uh, to the spell casting, and you know some days you know you don't have that. Some days you're you're in your PJs and your slippers, and you've got to get up and get going that morning. So you need to uh, throw some spell work into your coffee, um, and it's not going to look like it looks like on Instagram and the same with crafting that it's not, it may not look like something that you can sell, but it's not the end product so much as the process. Excellent point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Something oh, I, I, for years, you know, for years. A, like a 2023 goals. <laughs> Stop thinking <laughs> that way. It's really hard. Like I spent years uh, making stuff to sell. So in that aspect, um, yeah, you want to have something that looks really good that people will want to pick up and buy. But on the other hand, and so it took a lot of, for years, I couldn't make something just for fun or for me, because if it wasn't, if the end goal wasn't something to sell to support my family, then why bother? And that will suck a lot of the joy out of doing things. Yes. And I feel like the same for magic, where if you're focused so much on uh, the outcome, which, you know, it's all about attention. So, but if you're, you're spending all your time, just caught up in what the outcome is you aren't gonna you're just going through the motions you aren't feeling it you aren't uh fully present yes very very true <laughs> which you know speaking of like being fully present and doing things that are for yourself and not necessarily like the outside world or something to sell that is something you know really covered in your second book so your first was you know sewing but then the second which I love the name the scent of lemon and rosemary is just a perfect <laughs> title for a witchcraft book but that is a lot of hearth home magic in general which is something that is just for you that nobody's ever going to see yes I mean uh you know other than if it's if your family is involved or or people that you live with know about it but yeah that's uh it's all about being feeling safe in your own space that your home should be a safe place and you know oftentimes uh especially you know with when the uh at the height of the pandemic it sometimes wasn't mm, yes <laughs> is that what inspired you to write that book 
Uh, it's really funny. Um, I started writing the book uh, in uh, January of 2020. And I was super excited to write it because I was like, um, I'm in the house. Uh, I had before that, we, my family and I had suffered uh, a bout of homelessness. So we were now once again in a in a house. We were secure. Um, my kids are going to school. My husband's got his work outside of the home. We were sharing the house with a couple of housemates. They had their work. I was like, I'm going to be in this house where I have eight hours a day that I can write and I'll be by myself. It'll just be me and the cats and this is gonna be great. And then March hit and <laughs> everybody came home. So I had like two months to start writing this thing and then everybody came home and it was four adults and two kids and remote learning and remote work. And uh, all your plans went to hell. <laughs> it, they really did. Like um, it became, you know, because my my purpose before was, you know, write this little uh, it's been described as a witchy home economics book. So, oh, that's yeah, such be, a good description. I love that. I I love it so much. The person who came up with that, I was like, "That is amazing." I'm always going to use that. Um, yes, and that's what it was meant to be. And then over the course of this, um, yeah, those those themes of safety and making your home a place where you can thrive and uh feel comfortable just kind of wove themselves into the book as I was writing it oh, I love that and yeah that's just such a good description <laughs> so for somebody who is a beginner to hearth witchcraft what kind of things can they find in this book um the book is broken down into uh the four main rooms of the house and um it's basically uh goes room by room says okay I assigned an element to each room and then there are spells and tips about how to uh make that portion to to use the energies of that room uh to cast these spells to embody the energies of it um, that's the first half of of the book. There's protection spells. There's uh, spells on how on uh, bringing love and harmony to your dinner table. Um, there's spells on self love, on uh, getting better sleep. Um, so the first part is is kind of like a little spell book, and then the second half is uh, much more. That's where the home economics kind of comes in, where it's all right. Here's how you take care of your house by we not only physically cleaning it, um, you know, taking care of it, but also by bringing the magic into it. Because I, uh, our ancestors didn't have, they didn't separate that out. They didn't separate out their, their magic from their mundane life. Like it was all mixed together and I really would like to see it. Like I try in my own life and I would like to see uh, more people kind of less compartmentalizing their lives and more bringing that integration back so that uh, it's a lot easier to, to live a magical life if you're bringing the magic into even the most mundane tasks such as mopping 
mopping the floor. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I get that question a lot. Um, especially from beginners they are like, I just don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah. And I think what they're really saying is I don't have time to do long rituals, which is fair because who yes. does? I mean, I, yes. can I, can I do an hour long ritual every single day? Like, absolutely not. It's never going to <laughs> Like where I like set up a full altar and I like have all of these supplies, like, no, never going to happen. But if right. you are combining it with the things that you already have, like you already have to clean your house. If you like live in a space and you are responsible for part of that space, you have to clean it. At some point you are going to have to do some sort of cleaning for it. So by adding, you know, any correspondences to those things that you're already using to clean and then making that a magical task and a magical moment, you're do- adding magic into your day just in that one spot. Right. And I think that because nobody likes to clean. I mean, I there may be, okay, there, there are going to be people who do like to clean. And so, you know, the minute you say nobody likes to clean, you're going to have people saying, um, actually, uh, <laughs> but a large majority of us do not like to clean because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I did the dishes yesterday. You mean I have to do them again? What? I made my bed yesterday morning and now I got to make it again. Um, and so if you can bring the magic into it, it kind of transforms it. And then it's not a task that you feel like should be one and done, but it's part of, okay, yes, I'm making my bed and I am spraying it down with a lavender spray so that when, and I'm setting the intention so that when I climb into bed tonight, I'm going to have good restful sleep. I'm doing the dishes and as I'm washing them, I'm adding uh, a little moon water to the water that I'm washing them with so that I get that uh, protection energy so that when I'm eating off of these dishes, I feel that I, that my food is consecrated, it is cleansed, it is uh, full of all sorts of good things that spiritually for my body. And it just kind of makes what could be a mindless task into a mindful one. It is. That's why I love hearth witchcraft so much because I think it's like the easiest spot to incorporate the magic in when you don't have time in the rest of your day. Like there's so much that you can do at home that would really Mm -hmm. benefit you in like all areas of your life. And so many of our uh, witchcraft tools come from the domestic sphere, you know, the, the cauldron and the broom and uh, you know, those sorts of, those are the big two, but there's other, you know, the anthame, which is the knife, um, all, you know, the spoon that you use to make stuff with, all of those are, come from the domestic sphere because uh, our previous ancestors, our witchy ancestors, they might have like the one. And so it has to do double duty. You aren't going to have the time and the resources to have a special, um, cauldron for mixing your potions you're going to use the same cauldron that you make your nightly dinner in uh and that's kind of the what i'm trying to do with the book is is just have us be more aware of yeah we've got um that we don't have to separate those two we can have them together our our broom that we use to sweep the floor with we can sweep away those bad energies and we can sweep in prosperous energies as we're sweeping the floor exactly everything's pulling double duty yeah love it (laughs) you also talk in the book about working with hestia yes 
And is Hestia is Greek? She is. She's goddess? the Greek goddess of the hearth. Yes. And so two, two questions. So first follow-up is if somebody does not want to work with a goddess, will they still get a lot out of your book? And second question is, tell me about working with Hestia, because I know nothing. <laughs> uh, the answer to your first question is yes. Um, it's mostly, uh, while I do talk about Hestia and some of the spell work and uh, ritual and stuff in the book um, involves her, I do specifically say in the book that if you're not interested in working with her or any deity, um, you know, you don't have to. Uh, the spell work is not contingent upon calling on Hestia or working with her. Um, Hestia, my relationship with Hestia has been, has gone back many, many years uh, and is a tale of kind of neglect uh, because I first became aware of her in uh, 1999. Uh, and I know this for a fact because I have it written down in uh, my journal where I was like, oh my goodness, there's this goddess and she's the goddess of the hearth and she's a fire goddess and she's all about home. And I think that that's my, that's the goddess uh, I should be working with. And then I promptly did nothing with it uh, <laughs> for years. Um, at the time, I was in a really bad kind of abusive relationship. So um, I was mostly just kind of focused on kind of surviving that and dealing with that. And Hestia just kind of stood back and was like, you know, when you're ready, I'll be here. But until then, uh, you you do you. Um, and it wasn't until around, uh, the mid, uh, you know, about 2014, 2015 that I was like, okay, you know what? Um, I'm finally out of this relationship. I'm in a good relationship. I've got my family. I, I think I'm ready now to talk to you and, and to work with you. And she's like, all right, here I am. Let's, let's do this thing. Um, and while she is the Greek goddess of the hearth, uh, she's so much more than that. She, you know, oftentimes she kind of gets described as and kind of dealt with like she's just a domestic goddess. She's just, you know, uh, kept in the kitchen basically because of her association with the hearth. But for the ancient Greeks, um, she was the goddess to whom uh, society was kind of based on. Uh, she got the first offerings. She was the one to whom Greek politicians and civil servants would pledge and make oaths to. Uh, and while she never had, and the idea was since every fire was an altar to her, she didn't have like a big altar. She didn't have uh, a lot of physical representations because it was the fire uh, and the stability and the civilization that came with having a hearth that was her altar. Oh, that's so interesting. I know all these little details about her. <laughs> I know like the, the general, like, pantheons and each you know god and mm -hmm. goddess in them but I don't know like all of these little details but I love that like every hearth fire was her altar that's yeah fun. 
Uh, she's a very quiet goddess and um, again for the longest time was very much considered kind of okay well you're 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 a, a kitchen goddess and so a lot of what little worship or kind of correspondences that she had would be viewed through the lens of um, you know baking and uh, feeding people and that kind of thing. Whereas once I started actually doing research, because she basically came to me and said, you're going to write a book about me. And that's <laughs> what, and I was like, well, okay, uh, sure. And as, and she's like, and it's not just going to be about um, baking. Uh, and I was like, okay, I put away my muffin recipes. <laughs> and, uh, and once I started doing research on this, I was like, wow, she is, pretty timely now uh this idea that um every household is a smaller uh unit of is the building block unit of this larger society that we live in and how your society how well it flourishes or how little it flourishes is based on these smaller units and how well they are doing or how poorly they are doing. Um, and she and... really waited for, for 2020 to hit you. <laughs> like, <okay>, yeah. <laughs> now you're writing my book. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I have written, I, I'm writing my third book right now. And my first book, I ended up losing my house and being homeless for a portion of it uh my second book uh was through a pandemic and then this third book I uh halfway through it I moved halfway across the country so right wow. now I'm like can my fourth book can can like nothing happen <laughs> like, nothing. great just like let's just chill yeah I, I'm like telling my husband I'm like because we're in Wyoming now. And I said, I'm going to be working on this fourth book and like the super volcano under Yellowstone is going to explode or something. He's like, if that explodes, I think we're going to have bigger problems than your book. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. They'll be like, where's our edits? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, from what I know from authors, I would not be surprised you guys all think that. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, the, the deadline is all like apocalypse. <laughs> the deadline is all that matters. We'll, <laughs> we'll be like, oh no, we've got I still gotta finish up chapter 14. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Well, hopefully, hopefully nothing happens during your fourth I'm hoping book. to, yeah. <laughs> well, what is what's your third book? I'm excited for that. Um, uh, my third book, uh, it's called The Natural Homes Will of the Year. And it's kind of a little bit of um the first two books together but uh it's a I look at every Sabbath and I provide um crafts and recipes decorating ideas uh altar ideas some rituals uh things that you can do for every Sabbath so that you could observe the entire will of the year uh through crafting and homemaking and uh the domestic sphere there's a lot of crafts in there that you can do with your family um it's all very much based on the concept of uh reusing and recycling items so there's uh, a lot of crafts that uh use um empty tin cans and uh like 
plastic food containers as molds for stuff. Um, it's basically, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now that every person who listens to this podcast is going to go out and buy that book as soon awesome. as because I put out the survey, do a survey at the end of every year asking what people want to see or hear about on the podcast in the new year. And I was like, okay, like I've done three years of Sabbath episodes. Are you guys like done? Do we need to like (laughs) quit doing that? And like literally every response is like, no, we need a Sabbath episode for every Sabbath every year. And we want more (laughs) ideas of ways to celebrate. It came up so much. Everybody's like, no, no, keep doing Sabbath stuff. And I get that all the time. Like I need more Sabbath information and I need to know how to celebrate. So every, everybody, I'm going to let you know when Rachel's next book comes out, you guys can all go buy that because I know that you all want that information. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it comes out fall of 2023. So just in time for the holiday season, just in time for Yule. Uh, Perfect. Be, You're going to circle yeah. back around next year. You know what? I'm going to have Rachel on again next year in the fall Excellent. when this book comes out. And we are going to talk all about that and all about her, you know, favorite Sabbath celebrations and all about writing this book. And hopefully there's going to be no, nothing dramatic that happens in the next year. I hope so. That would be like, I'm, I'm done with interesting. I would like boring. Yes. Or, you know, like, <laughs> nice long year of boring would be great. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think people don't appreciate it until, you know, something is crazy like that. Then they're like, wait a minute, but wait, I like boring. I'm sorry. I complained about that. Let's go back to boring. Yeah, can I just, can, I would like to just read and write and have that be the most exciting thing that happens. Yes. I would, for, for 2023, that is what I'm trying to manifest. <laughs> I'm like, Hesia, can I have that, please? <laughs> that is an excellent 2023 goal. I like it. <laughs> well, Rachel, thank you so much for being here today and chatting about your books and your upcoming book. You know, we're all very excited. <laughs> Uh, listeners I am going to have everything linked over in the show notes at whichwednesdays.com so you can find Rachel online so you can find all of her books so you can follow along on Instagram for her next book to come out I know you're all excited (laughs) Um, but that is everything I have for today unless you have any last things that you would like to share um no all I want to say is go ahead and just be crafty and don't worry about what it looks like. I think everybody has a little bit of maker in them. So find something that just makes you happy and, uh, and do that and bring, you know, bring a little bit of magic into while you're doing that. And don't worry about what the finished product is going to look like. Don't worry about uh, if it needs to be monetized or if it's uh, is a professional thing, just, just go out and make. That's excellent advice. You know, excellent advice for beginners and advanced practitioners alike, because that's advice I need for myself. So (laughs) it's like you're speaking directly to me. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been delightful. Thank you so much for being here and offering up your time and expertise. I know we all appreciate it. And I look forward to having you on again next year. We're going to do this same time next year. Excellent. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Listeners, that's everything I have this week. I will see you next week. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.